Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Catholic Talk Show. It's Ryan Delacross, Ryan Shield, and Father Rich here again with you. How's it going, guys? What's happening? We're happy to have you guys here with us for another episode. It's the five, unbelie- five unbelievable but true Catholic miracles. It's unbelievable but true. <laughs> and there's five of them. And they're Catholic. <laughs> and they're miracles. Miraculous. Hey, yeah, we- we got the whole episode. <laughs> we figured that one out. We should do that on every episode. Yeah. That was like really smooth. Yeah, it was like when you were in like church choir and they have the bells and like you have one part and you wait for like four minutes and you're like, ding. 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 <laughs> Sister Joyce Lavoy, shout out to her. In oh, seminary, yeah. we had those. You remember Sister Joyce? Yeah, she has the gloves. Oh, yeah. Know. Well, you had to wear your gloves. She would yell at you if you grabbed the bells I without the gloves. What's up with the gloves? Ah. The gloves. So, yeah, we're talking about um, Catholic miracles today. Uh, But before we get into it, um, everyone, uh, make sure you uh, like, comment, subscribe, and leave reviews for us. Uh, You can go to catholictalkshow.com. On there, you can follow us on CastBox, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, Google Play, uh, uh, Spotify, any of the services that you like. And it really helps us to get, uh, you know, get what we're doing out to more people. So we really appreciate it when you do. Father Rich, give them the puppy dog, the priest puppy dog eyes. Please just subscribe, catholictalkshow.com. He's a crier, and if, if you don't subscribe, he's going to cry. cry. And you're going to have a crying priest on your conscience. So I hope that you sleep well if you don't subscribe. You don't want that. You don't want that. You definitely it's, don't want that. It's not that. good stuff. All right. So anyway, we're talking about five unbelievable but true Catholic miracles. A lot of, there's a lot of skepticism around miracles and people demand in today's world scientific evidence. They're like, how do you know God is real? Show us, you know, give us proof that God's real. Where's God at? And that's such a... Um, so well, they did that in the Bible, didn't they? Like a lot of people. Oh, yeah. People were always demanding miracles. Come down from the cross. Save right. yourself. You know, give us a sign, you know, and, you know, it's wicked, you know, to demand a miracle for proof. But um, miracles do happen. I mean, they happen every day and they happen all the time. Um but the ones that we're going to talk about today are very, very high profile, very, very interesting miracles that um, were either seen by thousands and thousands of people or left physical evidence behind. Um, because in, in today's world, people demand scientific empirical evidence to something that's metaphysical, which doesn't really make sense. It's it's a it's a confusion of terms. You can't measure metaphysical using the natural sciences. Where's God? Well, can you prove God? You can't prove God. You can't weigh God. You can't measure God. God is not an element of the physical world to be measured and applied the scientific method to. Um, but that, but that being said, there is definitely times where the veil between heaven and earth are, are, is pierced and set aside, and there's miracles that are absolutely astounding and just just things that are completely inexplicable that happen, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I love miracles because they do confound the rationality of of life because it, it reveals what is supernatural. So, you know, like the natural order of things and, and how God breaks into human history. Think about how God becomes man. I mean, it almost sounds crazy, right? But that God so pursued humanity and the image and likeness of God that we were created in, that God pursues that in sending his only son. You know, it's important to bring that up is that no Catholic is obliged to believe in any miraculous event um, unless it's officially sponsored by the church. They are, uh, a miracle never will add to the deposit of faith. There's nothing that will happen in a miracle that will add something to the Catholic faith that was lacking before. It's called private revelation. That's right. So, you know, you don't have to believe in these in the Catholic. You don't have, as a Catholic, you don't have to believe in our the appearance of Our Lady of Guadalupe to still be a good Catholic. Now, you should, it's real, but you don't have to. That's not an essential element of the faith. So I thought it was important to mention that first. Thank you for that PSA. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a little bit. Where of, would we be? Where I saw would a little be? bit of anger in his I eyes. Know. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Where would be, we be without you, Sheila? You're the man. It'd be, and your public service announcements. It'd be a dark place. <laughs> a very dark place. Very place. dark. No miracles happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, you know, the first one I want to talk to to dispel this darkness that you guys would be in would be the the Miracle of the Sun. You guys, yes. you guys have heard of this one, right? Fatima, yeah. That's oh, right. Yeah. Um, Our Lady of Fatima's awesome. So in um, Fatima, Portugal, Our Lady appeared to three young uh, poor shepherd children. Um, it's it's one of the most, I, I guess, one of the most powerful, most famous um, apparitions of Our Lady ever. Um, in 1917, she appeared to uh, Francisco and Jacinto Marta and um, Lucia dos Santos. And she gave a, a series of, you know, I guess messages, messages and revelations yeah. to, uh, to these three children. And these children were, you know, told people that this was happening and people didn't believe them. They're like, come on, you guys are just kids making this up. So then the children told them that our lady said that, um, on October 13th at noon, she would produce a sign that this was, she was actually appearing and it would be a sign for everyone to see. So this there was this was months before that date, and and the newspapers were they were making fun of them. They're like, okay, yeah, our lady's going to show up when these little three kids, you know, said that she would. So all the newspapers and skeptics, but believers, they all assembled in a field um, in Covadieira, uh, or Iria. I don't know how to pronounce it. I haven't been there. You don't sound like you're very good at the pronunciation. Portuguese. That's Portuguese, right? Or the España. <laughs> I'm not right, dude. I'm not. The España or I, the Espanol? I deduce that from your bad Portuguesa. Portuguese. Portuguese, if it's Italian. He's trying, yeah. Trying anyway, to sound smart. sake. <laughs> so anyway, every, over 100,000 people showed up to kind of, let's, let's see what happens, right? Skeptics to show up and say, <laughs> you know, make fun of them when nothing happened. And uh, believers who are like, I, I know this is going to happen. Then a lot of people are like, mm, I'm not really sure. Is this, is this going to happen? It's going to not, right? So, you know, some estimates say that up to 100,000 people showed up in this field uh, outside of Fatima, Portugal in 1917, October 13th. October 13th, yeah. So then all of a sudden, there was a massive downfall of rain and it just started pouring like crazy. And then the clouds broke apart and then the sun appeared, Right. That's what happens when clouds break. You know, the sun's behind them. Happens in Florida all the time. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Doesn't happen in Cleveland that much. <laughs> we in Cleveland we call the miracle of the sun just a sunny day. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as the clouds uh, dispersed and the sun was behind them, the sun started spinning, like 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 a pinwheel, like a pinwheel started spinning. Uh, but very pale and not very bright, very small. And then it started, they, people, the report said it started casting multicolored lights all over the place. So almost like imagine a spinning small prism, prism, yeah. right? And then people were starting to freak out because then all of a sudden the, the sun started going back and forth, dancing in the sky, zigzagging. And then it started... Like the, like the appearance was like it was descending and people were freaking out because they're like, well, the sun's going to crash into it's us. And earth, we're, yeah. You know, we're, we're done. Right. Um, and, and everyone was amazed and stunned. I mean, this is, and this was not like, this is not some person who said Jesus peer, appeared to me on toast. It's a hundred thousand people. Appeared to me on toast. Jesus <laughs> toast. Yeah, that happens. Has that happened to you? <laughs> no. It appeared to him on Jesus Texas toast. <laughs> Jesus wearing a cowboy, cowboy hat. <laughs> Yee-haw. So, yeah. so yeah, so the sun starts dancing and then the, all the rain and all this water from this massive downpour completely dried like instantaneously. And there was just thousands and thousands and thousands of people there who witnessed it. Um, members of... Uh, like for one example, the professor professor of natural sciences from the university local there, he was there. A skeptic, he was there. Um, you know, the newspaper papers. There was uh, yeah, reporters. there's like pictures. There's stuff pictures, on that. right? Yeah, I mean, you can yeah. see the pictures. They're just amazing, and everyone's just looking up at the sky, like yeah. you know. And 
a lot of times when people say, well, you know, miracles didn't have stopped happening once cameras showed up and once, uh, you know, we're not in the middle ages and, you know, no. Yeah. It's, but I mean, this is 1917. This is like during Babe Ruth's career. Yeah. You know, this is like recent times. Um, you know, there was cars, right. And the sun literally danced in the sky for a hundred thousand people. It's fascinating. I've always been captivated by the revelations of Our Lady of Fatima. And that was the one apparition site that my grandfather visited as a, a Navy, uh, a naval man in, in the engine room. He was able to go off uh, ship and then he made his way down to Fatima. And I unfortunately have not had the privilege of going to Fatima yet. But I have been to Medjugorje a number of times. And I, I rarely shared these stories and the experiences that I had in Medjugorje because certain people will be like, oh, that just sounds a little too, you know. I, can I be honest? Mm -hmm. I'm skeptical of Medjugorje. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm, I'm more lean towards I don't quite believe that one. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, it's not approved by the church. That's right. But there's no apparition that is approved until the apparitions have concluded. Never in the history of the church has there been so frequent of apparitions. Right. Which to me is like, this is like a long chat text message between, you know, Mary and Jesus and these people. And it's like, kind of not their mo yeah i yes. mean i mean there there's more words recorded in this than there are of jesus in the entire gospel mm -hmm. you know that's mm -hmm. that doesn't seem to me i'm looking at these pictures of all these people with umbrellas and staring at the sun there was at least like five thousand people there well, that says up to 100, up to a hundred thousand and so, and so check out those pictures on our on our facebook page but i have to say you know being there in medjugorje my first time i've, I've been over seven times or eight times oh, really? to medjugorje well, sorry, and, sorry for. Oh no, the, the, there's no offense Not whatsoever sorry. because I really don't know the apparitionists. Yep. I've never met them. I would never really. I've never been employed by the bishops or by the Vatican to go interview them or investigate. All I could speak to is is my personal experience there. And Medjugorje is a very very powerful place of prayer, and it's a place where people of goodwill come together to grow in faith and to explore what's happening. And most of the people that are going are going principally to pray and to have an experience. Right. And that's it. Really marks it as a different type of place, more so than Jerusalem or Rome or any other. A lot of people go there just for tourists right. or history or whatever. If you go to Medjugorje, you're in the middle of Bosnia Herzegovina. The only reason you're there is to explore what's going on here that's in Medjugorje. Bosnia Herzegovina is a beautiful country. Oh, it is a gorgeous country. In the middle of it, but you know what's what's going to be the draw, right? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So there's some beautiful you know landmarks there and and. And no. springs, but let me say this. I think you're converting him right now because well, he's very angry. Well, I no, I, I really want to. I want to share. <laughs> you know, I just want all the. Our, I believe in no Medjugorje all stuff. All of our Bosnian <laughs> listeners be like, Father Rich, you said the only reason to come here is for Medjugorje. We, I'll have you know that we're one of the leading exporters of pine wood or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or something. I'm sorry, Bosnia. You can let me know. A lot of love goes out to Bosnia. I love. I have a few friends that I went to school with uh, that were from Bosnia. Um, so I have to say this though, being there in Medjugorje, I've had a number of experiences that I can't even explain. And one of them was a miracle of the sun and being able to look at the sun as it was setting and the sun disappeared. There was no clouds and then it reappeared and then it set midday. Another day that I was there, I was laying in the grass and I was praying and I could look directly at the sun and it was like, it was pulsating. Never had these experiences. Did just your mom tell you not to look directly at the I, sun? I know. I was, I was hearing her voice in my head. It's like, what are you doing? You had flashbacks from college. But it was, you know, it was accompanied by this, this beautiful sense of consolation in the presence of Our Lady and, and certainly have had so many experiences in Medjugorje. And I never vouch for the uh, integrity or the, the people that are the apparitionists. Um, because another thing is, is that none of them ever became a nun or none of them became a priest or, or consecrated. But they don't need to be. And not something. necessarily, but in many of the other apparitions, you know, that has happened. Right. Um, so, you know, for me, being there, having this experience of these miracles, you know, was such a huge catalyst in my faith journey that was initially started happening when I was in my early 20s. 
And, you know, I went back there as a skeptic, you know, and, and went through all the documents and the criticisms of Medjugorje and all this stuff. And time and time again, you know, I just kept on returning to, you know, you will know a tree by its fruits. What are people doing here? People are going to confession. People are going to have Eucharistic conversions or conversions through the intercession of the Blessed Mother. And they're learning the rosary and they're learning about the passion of Christ and they're doing penances and they're changing their lives and transformation is taking place in people's lives. Transformation in my own life. It's where I attribute where I truly learned how to pray from the heart. And, you know, I, I look at these apparition sites as these places in time that God opens up a veil of miraculous grace that truly confounds people's ways of life and they're changed forever. And certainly that that's happened for me. Yeah. Uh, I've read that um, as far as the investigation into it, they're getting pretty close to making a ruling. And one of the things that I've read that potentially they're going to approve the first five or six messages mm -hmm. because those are the ones that are different in nature and, specific to I think all six were there or something mm -hmm. like that at six years and that they might be leaning towards approving that but not the subsequent ongoing ones yeah. or something like that so I'm going to wait for the church's ruling on that one for sure know. again private revelation right but going back to Fatima I'm looking at these pictures because that's how I learn yep. a lot through pictures it's picture books and you, you look at all these people that were there and then the rain and everything and how they're all looking at the sky. And then you look back on how they started setting up the shrine and everything. It was like the whole community was, you know, they were there. Yeah. So it like occurred for all of them. So it's kind of neat that, you know, it's not like, you know, you know Juan Diego, mm -hmm. for example, with Our Lady of Guadalupe. It's, it's not like personal to somebody and they go to a bishop and then they say, oh, you know, Mary wants us to build a, a church here. It's like... No, she did this for the whole community. Mm -hmm. She had a message to give and they all saw it, you know, and, and it changed a lot of people's hearts, you know, instead of uh, an apparition where it's like, you know, one or two people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know? love the apparitions with our, in respect to the Tilma of Juan Diego, because it's the greatest evangelization that's ever happened in the history of the world. You know, 9 million Catholics were born out of this revelation and counting. And it immediately Hundreds settled. Of oh, yeah, but it initially, initially, nine, yeah, yeah. nine million. So initially, this this uh, in the Yucatan Peninsula and then beyond, it's like it immediately started to bring together the Spanish and the natives of those respective areas because it communicated a very clear message to both people and drew them to faith. Um, Pope Saint John Paul II was very devoted to Our Lady of Fatima, and. Um, he was shot on the feast of Our Lady of Fatima, and he was shot four times in the chest. And um, he he said that one hand pulled the trigger of the gun, but another hand guided the bullet. And the bullet that almost hit his heart missed it by like an inch. And uh, he attributed surviving that uh, um, assassination attempt to Our Lady of Fatima. And he had the bullet that was near his heart taken out and hammered into the crown of the statue on the site of the apparition of Our Lady of Fatima, which I think is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. That is, that's just such an incredible testimony and his love for Our Lady mm -hmm. on her feast day, May 13th. And each 13th from May until October, it recounts mm -hmm. the the revelations of Fatima. Yeah, and he went to go see his attacker yeah. in, in prison. Mehmet Ali Aksha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another another Marian apparition, this is one that's really, really near to me, is Our Lady of Lourdes. I, I love Our Lady of Lourdes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm sure most of you have heard the story of Our Lady of Lourdes. Um, you know, St. Bernadette was there. She saw Our Lady in, in the grotto. You know, she, she dug in the earth, the water, the spring. So, you know, I don't think we need to recount the miracle of Our Lady of Lourdes. But one of the things that is really interesting is how many people go there and how many people have been going there for healing both, you know, spiritually and physically since that apparition. And um, when was the apparition again? 18... 1800s. 50s. Wow. Um, 1858, February 11th, 1858. So one of the things is, I mean, to this day, there's just continually pilgrimage there. Uh, I know like the Knights of Columbus are always taking people there and um, people who are sick or ill going there. 
and miracles are still happening to this day. And people are like, okay, sure. You know, why aren't people regrowing their arms or their legs, right? Because they're not stem cells. Right. (laughs) God's not that crass. If an arm just reappeared, people wouldn't have the choice but to believe. You know, it leaves none of the um, element of faith to it. It becomes a coercion of belief, and God doesn't work that way. But he does. There is a lot of healings that happen through the intercession of Our Lady of Lourdes and St. Bernadette. And on the site of the church, there's the Lourdes Medical Bureau. This is an independent medical organization that investigates people who said they had a cure there. So they're like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm healed. Go upstairs and you go to this independent medical agency and they review all those, um, all those cases. Hmm. I mean, hmm. this is not like... This is not like private, you know. Yeah, like, I'm oh, healed. I'm healed. No, you're healed. Like okay. the guy that hits people with jackets. Oh, you know on yes, TV. Yes. <laughs> Charlatans. No, nah, it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like just like hitting somebody with a jacket's awesome. Well, I, and I, then saw then a video, I, I saw a video where it's just kind of going over the people with his jacket. And then it's like this domino effect. What is this jacket people made falling. Of? I don't know. I want to get one of those jackets. Oh, my gosh. No, so that independent yep. um, uh, medical bureau. So if, if I've been healed, then how, how are they supposed to know? So be, Pope Pius X, he decreed that anybody who claims to have to have a miraculous uh, um, experience there has to submit their miracle to this bureau. Um, and, and they they do what a doctor does. They say, okay, well, did you have whatever? They look at your past medical records. Yes, you had this. Did you have, you know, cancer? Oh, they look at your past records. They look at your gotcha. past records. Oh, you're claiming you had cancer. Let's see your records. Oh, here's your records, cancer. Okay, do you have it now? No, is it explicable? Did you do anything else that could have possibly account for this? Hmm. It's very meticulous, very scientific, very cold, independent, and analytical. Well, yeah, you don't want to get a rep, you know, where it's like, you know, uh, you know, you have a tourist spot there. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Because that that cheapens it. It does. It does. So, you know. Kind of like the jacket. He really doesn't like me bringing the jacket up. <laughs> the jacket, you like the jacket because I like the jacket because it's cool. I'd like to do that to people and watch them fall down. <laughs> <laughs> It'd just be fun. That's all. Just make your kids do that. Just like kids, we're playing, we're playing super preacher man. Oh, that's good. That's a good idea. They can throw quarters at you and then you can wave your jacket and they all fall down. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, daddy, let's play crazy preacher man. <laughs> Hit me with the jacket, Daddy. Give me some more quarters. Daddy, hit me with that jacket one more time. <laughs> oh, my God. I said, ah. Oh, my God. They, they'd spliced over a bunch of Street Fighter 2 moves. Did you see that video on YouTube? It's awesome. It's like, Hadouken. <laughs> Dad, I don't want to go to school today. I don't feel good. Hold on. Let me get the jacket. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, miracles are still happening. They didn't stop in the 1850s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the re- more recent ones is a um, a nun went there, and she had um, she, she had not been able to walk. She had um, spinal injuries, and she went there and she said, "I felt a well being throughout my body, a relaxation, a relaxation, warmth." Um, I returned to my room after going there, and a voice said to me, uh, "Take off your braces," and she did, and she could move, and she was able to get out of a wheelchair. Scientists examine it, um, and it it happened. You That's know? awesome. So according to the Lord's Medical Bureau, there's been over 7,000 scientifically attested to miraculous recoveries from the intercession of Our Lady of Lords at the Lord's Shrine. In roughly 200 years. Right. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Amazing. And how many miracles that happened that were undocumented? Yep. You know. Or they're just like, eh, going mm-hmm. to the bureau. Mm-hmm. Or in parishes for the Feast of Our Lady of Lords. How often do we have healing masses or, you know, times where we're, we're anointing, you know, people or going out into the hospital on the Feast of Our Lady of Lords and invoking her intercession and having real experiences of miracles. It happens all the time. St. Bernadette, she, my wife is a convert. When we got married, she was a Methodist and um, she was going through the conversion process and she, she, St. Bernadette, stalked her. You know, my wife took Bernadette as her um, confirmation saint when she converted. Um, but she, like, we would, 
we were out to lunch one time and we had just watched the song of Bernadette. And then she's talking about it and like, um, she's talking about the Eucharist. And then all of a sudden the TV freezes in the restaurant. Like there's a TV and it just kept saying at the bottom, like he sacrificed his body. He sacrificed his body. What? And she's like, she's kind of like, she's like, this is really heavy. I want to go. Like we never get the chance to go out to eat during the day. You know, we have kids and I had taken the day off and we went out to lunch and she sees this. She's like, I, I want to go home. So we get in the car and we start driving and first song that comes on is Bernadette. <laughs> and she's like, dude, what's going on here? So yeah, St. Bernadette's, that's my, that's my wife's. That's awesome. My wife's the girl. That's a good that's story. beautiful, man. Wow. So unbelievable. Are all, are all these miracles um, from Marian apparitions? Well, yeah, these happen at Lourdes. So okay. according to them, here's the criteria for them to recognize it. The original diagnosis must be verified and confirmed beyond doubt. So you have to be sick. You can't, you know, come there and say, I was cured, but not a bit yeah, sick. Obviously. The diagnosis must be regarded as incurable which means with current scientific means. So if you're being cured, first you had to be sick and it has to be something that couldn't be cured with the means that are available to science, right? Mm -hmm. um, the cure must happen in association with a visit to Lourdes, typically while in Lourdes or in the vicinity of the shrine itself. Although um, being in contact with the water is not required, you can just be there. The cure must be immediate. So it's not something like I went there and then over the course of seven years, I got better. It has to be immediate or nearly instantaneous. The cure must be complete. So you can't say, well, my back feels a little good. Pretty solid. I can move around. I feel a little bit Most little of the people, after the guy hits them with a jacket, that's how they feel. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like a placebo. <laughs> yeah, that feels good. Yeah. <laughs> and then the cure must be permanent. It can't come back. So it has to meet all those requirements for it to, you know, um, yeah. be an authenticated miracle. But yeah. They don't call it a miracle. Mm -hmm. The the Lord's Medical Bureau is not um, equipped to call anything a miracle. They can say this occurrence happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they're not, you know. They're, not they're independent. They're independent. Medical. And they can say they were sick. It wasn't curable. They went here. They got immediately better, completely better, and it didn't come back. Mm. That's what they are equipped and empowered through science to be able to say. Mm -hmm. And there's been over 7,000 of these cures. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I don't know what else. I mean... It's, it's Skeptics unbelievable. always want to say science, science, science. Well, here's science. Go look at the records. They're available. Mm -hmm. You can look at the records. If you're a, you know, a medical doctor, look at them. But it's important to realize, too, that even in the process of canonization of saints that there have to be miracles attributed to these men and women. And, you know, shout out to these bobbleheads here, saintbobbles.com. You know, <laughs> yeah, these things are amazing. These things are really cool. But each of these saints have had miracles attributed to them time and time and time again. I mean, think right. about like St. Patrick here, you know, like and St. Therese, the little flower, St. Francis. You know, so many miracles have been attributed to them, but it's important to realize that those miracles are investigated thoroughly and they're verified and, you know, scientists are involved in the process. I think of Eucharistic miracles too, you know, how scientists have been involved in investigating what is present, like right. in a Eucharistic species that has turned to flesh and blood. That's Under actually a microscope. That's actually what we're going to talk about next. So we're going to talk about the miracle of Lanciano. Oh, I saw that movie. Did you? This was a movie. It was a documentary about that. Yeah. It was amazing. Oh, I've got to watch that. I don't think I've ever watched that. So documentary. Lanciano is a small city uh, in the Italian mountains near the Adriatic. Uh, tradition says that Longinus, the the Roman centurion who stabbed. Uh, Jesus in the side and pierced his heart was from Lanciano, like the town of the Lance, right? So it's, it's one of the greatest miracles, um, I, th I think, of the, you know, of the church, you know, that left physical evidence. So in the 8th century, there was a, there's a little church, uh, it's called uh, St. Lagantian in Lanciano. And there was a monk there who was, he was a priest, and he was having doubts about the divine presence in the Eucharist. And 
during mass, he was performing the consecration, which even if a priest doubts um, the consecration has happening, it still occurs because the priest is... Ecclesia suplet. The church provides. So while he was performing the consecration, the host turned into uh, flesh, turned into actual flesh tissue. And um, the wine was changed into actual blood, which dried into five, um, you know, globules. And this has been there for now 1,200 years. I mean, this piece of flesh. still there. It's still there. Yeah. Flesh doesn't do that. No. No. It gets stinky. Real quick. Especially your flesh, Ryan. Did you take a shower this morning? And is it still alive? Stinky. So here, so what? Let's happened? look at the science. Let's look at the science. So, the the flesh, the host flesh, can still be seen today, and it's it's still there, and it's the same size and shape of the type of uh, host that was common to be used at the time. So it's not a later, um, you know, addition. This was a very specific size known to be the area and the time that it would happen. Um, the blood club. Uh, dried into five separate pieces so corresponding to the five wounds of Jesus and when they one a really weird thing happens when they measure those five um, globules any combination equals the combination of the other of the remainder so if you measure two it weighs as much as the other three if you measure four it weighs as much as the other one it's a really paradoxical way yeah hmm. so weird it's unbelievable, but it's true. Are you, are you talking about the ones where they, they they sent they sent the flesh to scientists to observe under like a microscope? So yeah, this one uh, it, the most recent examination was performed by Professor uh, Odoardo Linoli. He's a professor of anatomy and pathological and histological uh, chemistry and clinical microscopy. The microscopy, yeah, and Professor right. Ruggiero Bertelli of the University of Siena, which is one of the oldest universities in the world. So they did an actual uh, medical examination of the flesh. The flesh was found to be a human striated muscular tissue of the myocardium. Which is a ventricle in the heart. It's the heart wall. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's over 1,250 years old, no uh, preservative agents were found in the flesh, which... It shouldn't still exist. It should have rotten. There, you can't preserve flesh for that long. You can't. I mean, dude, I put some. I put like bologna in the fridge, and it's like junk in a week. That's (laughs) That's with preservatives. That's with preservatives. Lots of them. Lots of them. (laughs) Johnny's addicted to bologna sandwiches. (laughs) I ask him, like, he'll wake up in the morning. I want a bologna sandwich. I'm like, dude, have something different for breakfast. Have cereal. (laughs) I was like, I want bologna sandwich. I'm like, good for him. (laughs) So. In, in the cross-section, they're able to recognize that this is actually a cross-section of a human heart, this host. Yeah. They were able to see that the myocardium, the endocardium, the vagus nerve, the left ventricle of the heart, um, the, the ability to create a cross-section of a heart with that amount of precision just did not exist 1,200 years ago. Right. Um, they found that the blood type is AB, which... Remember that because that's going to pay off later. Um, they found proteins in the blood that these pro- these proteins in the flesh and in the blood um, they usually they dissipate out of blood within minutes or or maybe hours at the best, um, but they're still present in this blood twelve hundred and fifty years later, and they're consistent with the proteins that a body releases when it's under extreme stress or torture. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. And still there. Yeah. 1,200 years. A piece of a cross-section of a heart that is technologically wasn't possible, and it's been there. I mean, if it had been there for 50 years, it'd be right unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's been there for over 1,000 years, so... Yeah, there's an, a DVD. I, I gotta, I gotta find it for you. If I find it, I'll, I'll post it. But DVD, um, no one uses DVD players. Yeah, anymore. but it was, it was like ten years ago, and they actually took that specimen over to um, the United States, and they had um, a, a famous heart doctor in, in um, 
New York City examined this and and he said the same thing. And he wasn't even, you know, a Christian guy. They just brought it to the best of the best, you know? And um, and they didn't tell him what he was looking at. You know, they're just like, here, can you examine this for oh, us? I think and, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Back when I had and a DVD player. Back when I had a DVD. <laughs> DVDs. There has been so many Eucharistic miracles all around the world. And I recall one that I experienced firsthand in... Kasha, Italy, which houses the remains of St. Rita. And they have a Eucharistic miracle. I always thought it was Cascia. Did you really? I'm so... so Norcia, Kasia. Yeah, Spanish, Portuguese, and Italian. Romance. I don't don't know. Slavic? (laughs) It's all Germanic Slavic languages for me. (laughs) You sound like a Slovenian. Well, the story goes is that this priest needed to bring Holy Communion to a sick person. And... Instead of reverently treating the blessed sacrament, he kind of, you know, blindly just goes get a host and throws it into his breviary. What? <laughs> yeah, throws like it into bookmark. throws the Eucharist into his breviary and Picks then he takes it didn't off. Happen, bro. So he he heads down to this person's house and when he opens up the breviary, the host was bleeding, and the blood penetrated the paper and the breviary, and. It radically transformed this priest's life, as you could imagine, you know? Yeah. Kind of slowed him down from the the busyness and the, you know, the irreverence that he had toward the Blessed Sacrament. <clears throat> and again, these Eucharistic miracles happen in and around the world at every corner of the earth so that it can truly draw us to the reality of Jesus's true presence under the appearance of bread and wine. It is, his, it is his body, blood, soul, and divinity that we receive. It's his heart. It's the, the flesh that's what of his got heart. Me. When, I, when I saw the DVD, that's what got me. I'm yeah. like, wow, it's his heart. Yeah, you know? man. Like he's giving us his he's heart. He's not giving me his fingernail, yeah. you know? It's all- yeah, like a little <laughs> piece of the, here, Here's a tooth. <laughs> like, thanks. I mean, <laughs> what am I going to do with that? Oh, it's Make awesome, a necklace man. out of it. But how beautiful and intimate our Savior is that he would give us his own heart. Yeah. You know? Good stuff. Very beautiful. So, you know, staying on blood, um, one of the really famous reoccurring miracle, not one that left um, evidence, but one that continues to occur is the blood miracle of St. Januarius. Have you ever heard of this? Mm -hmm. I never heard of that. So uh, in Naples, uh, San Gennaro, is that good? San Gennaro. San Januarius. You're getting better. Yeah. Not. God, why did I have to have a podcast with two Italians? <laughs> anyway. Well, the Italians really celebrate this in, in Manhattan. Yeah, this, this is a major feast. It's a big deal. So uh, St. Januarius or San Gennaro is the patron saint, one of the patron saints of Naples. And according to legend... When he was martyred, um, a nun uh, took his blood and kept it in a vial, you know, recognizing that this was a holy martyr and that, uh, you know, you, you'd want to you know, hold on to this. So she, there was a vial of his blood and it, and it dried, right? But what happens is every year on his feast day, the blood liquefies. It turns back into a liquid. Wow. Right. You've been there? No, I have not. I'd I, love I'm going to go. Yeah, that would be a great is place Is it to still go. in New York or? No, no, this, no, is, no, this is in is, Italy. This, this is, is in Naples. Naples. <clears throat> gotcha. So, so every year, it actually happens a couple times. So it happens um, on September 19th, which is the anniversary of his martyrdom. And then it happens on December 16th, which is his patronage of, the, you know, of. Being a saint, like the feast day. The pa- his his uh, patronage of Naples. And then it also happens on the first Sunday of May to commemorate the reunification of his relics. So the the feast of the transition of the relics of St. Januarius. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But this happens on TV. Like you can see it. Like there's a video. If you go to youcatholic.com and look for the blood of St. Januarius, you'll see it. Pope Francis went there in 2015 on the feast day and he was present. And they took the relic out and... The blood, the dried blood, liquefied in front of Pope Francis on camera, on TV. What? It was the first time the blood had liquefied in the presence of a pope since 1848. Oh. Which, okay, something that dries in 1848 doesn't liquefy again. No. It doesn't go on and on for a thousand years. Yeah. 
Now, they say that, but some years, the blood doesn't liquefy. And those are years where they're like, according to tradition, that hardships are going to befall Naples, whether it's going to be flooding or volcanoes or earthquakes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Wow. That's pretty cool. Do you know there's there's actually a lot of bones and remains of saints or even statues that that have allegedly or approved you know have wept blood or wept in oil yeah or a certain type of secretion and saint nicholas of bari you know of obviously saint, saint nicholas of maria and the, or you know when his body was transferred to bari for centuries centuries even in turkey the the tomb would overflow with oils and then now in bari his body still secretes this oil that's that's then mixed it's actually called manna and they mix it with oil and they provide it to pilgrims to take. I actually have oils that I use devotionally with people that I pray with. Wow. And that was one of the big reasons that the they took the relics from Asia Minor back to Italy. It's because they're like, wow, this thing's, you know, they're providing this holy oil. We kind of want this back in Italy. And it's it's been a big kind of yeah. know, disagreement. But Catholics fiber bones. They do. A mm-hmm. lot. They do. Them bones. They fight over. They fight over bones like two fat boys on a rack of ribs. <laughs> That's right. It's making me hungry. And <laughs> some ribs. ribs. Oh, them bones, man. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna do one more miracle, and th- I think this one kind of ties together everything that we were talking about on the show. Um, and that is the very kind of bizarre coincidence that all major um, blood miracles or Eucharistic miracles of our Lord have the same blood type. These miracles have happened throughout hundreds of years, thousands of years. There's no way this was a coordinated effort that if you look at um, the Sudarium of Oviedo, that there's blood on it they've known since the fifth century. And then there's the Shroud of Turin, which, you know, we'll do an episode on just the Shroud of Turin. That's pretty awesome. Um, But there's that and, you know, even if it was forged, it was the 13th century in France. You look at the miracle of Lanciano. You look at... Um, the Eucharistic know. miracle in Brazil. Right. You look at any of these, um, all of these um, miracles, of Eucharistic and blood miracles of our Lord, they all have the same blood type. Mm-hmm. AB positive. Do you know what kind of blood type that is? And the, and the tissue, it's the universal blood it's type. Universal it's the universal blood, blood type. And the tissue is of the heart every single time. That's right. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's I mean, unbelievable. Before they but knew it's what, true. <laughs> before they knew what blood types were, blood it was types, happening. It was happening. Yeah. yeah. They didn't know what they didn't know O positive, O negative, A, B. They didn't know that. You couldn't have planned that. That said, okay, people with no knowledge of blood types, thousands of miles away and hundreds of years in between are going to randomly just every time they do that, put blood on it's the same blood type. Sorry, it's, it's, it doesn't yeah, happen and it's, like that. And it's not, a very, um, <clears throat> it's not a very popular blood type either. Oh, it's, rare, it's the rarest. It's rarest. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. uh, 0.006% of the population has it. Yeah. The uni- and it's a universal donor. It, any person can take this blood. Yep. That's... Which is another reason why why receiving him in Holy Communion makes a lot of sense if it's real blood. Absolutely. The the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of the cosmos. Is also a very good is doctor. also a great donor. <laughs> He's a great donor. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we, had, we had a guy at the seminary. Do you remember the guy that used to come by and uh, we, we used to call him the vampire man because he'd be, he would come and get your blood? Uh, he would just get the, the blood bank or whatever? Yeah. And this funny, Carlos, Father Carlos Lerma, he says, oh, brother, I've never done this before. And I said, it's not that big big of a deal. You go in there, you know, they give you a candy, they give you some cookies and, you know, you give your blood, you're in and out. It's not a big deal. It's not a lot of pain. So he goes in there and he's, he signed up for the slot ahead of me. And, and I, I'm walking over there and he's coming out of the bus. And he's wearing this white shirt yeah. and he's pale in the face oh, and he's got, it's red, like red all over his shirt, this red liquid. I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? You know? <laughs> Did he throw up cooling? So what happened was as he was giving blood, he got so freaked out that he passed out, but he had a high C fruit punch <laughs> that they gave him and he squeezed it all over his shirt. 
Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. It was so funny. You're like, no, I told him it was easy. <laughs> no, he's like, I will never do that again, brother. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, Carlos. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, so AB positive. That's uh, very yeah, the rare. Universal donor, man. Very rare. <laughs> Jesus desires to give all his body and blood. Yeah, and he's doing Come it. to the it's, table, It's medically man. sound, too. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> what a great episode, man. The miracles. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more. And, you know, we'll get to an episode on specific miracles where we break them down more. Um, we could talk about the Shroud yeah. of Turin or, the you know, Our Lady of Guadalupe or talk about all the things that happened with Lords of Fatima. But these are just, you know, some very specific examples of ones that left actual physical evidence that if you are a skeptic, you can go look. You can look at the scientific reports done on them and you- It's science. It's science. It's science. And then the miracles of the saints, how many there there are, you know? Yeah. That's a lot. At least, at least two per each. Very yeah. cool. Uh, unless of cases of <clears throat> uh, martyrdom. Mm -hmm. It's then three, what? I think, isn't it? It's three. It's two. two miracles. Two. Unless two. martyrs. Martyrs don't need a miracle mm -hmm. because their martyrdom is their miracle. Mm-hmm. Mm. So fabulous. Ready? Beautiful. Are you ready? Uh, I'm going to hold on to St. Lucy here. And these like, eyeballs on her plate, that always, it's always strange. You move her head like that. There you go. <laughs> I, I don't know. You probably need a few more of those in their intersection. Bring all of my yeah. bobblehead saints. Trash talk Bring me my bobble talk. <laughs> all right. So let's see here. We are going to do the Inquisition. And this is the time of the show where we ask you crazy or ridiculous questions and watch you squirm in your seat when your uh, seminary training fails you and you're not able to answer. And for stall. our great look for, for the stall. And where he's stalled. Yeah, he's going to stall. <laughs> he's got good stall and tactics. We, and we, the Ryans get to sit here and watch him squirm to our delight. And nice. it's, it's a fun part <laughs> yeah, for us. That's good. And call me out. The seal of confession. Okay. Cannot be broken. Mm-hmm. What's the punishment for breaking the seal of confession? Excommunication. Right. If a person is waiting in line for confession mm -hmm. um, and they overhear something said in confession, mm -hmm. they are also bound by that. Correct. Bound by canon law. Right. Mm -hmm. When somebody breaks the seal of confession, the Pope would be the one who would excommunicate them. Mm -hmm. The Pope is in line. And it's, in fact, you're excommunicated on the spot. On the spot. Yeah, of the action itself. Of just hearing it? Yeah, of, of no divulging. Okay. So the Pope overhears in line another <laughs> priest confess that he broke the seal of confession. Uh-huh. <laughs> can the Pope act upon it? No. <laughs> he can't. That's a simple one. That's so simple. He can't act on that. But he's... he's Pope, and no, he's the pope. The pope but, can, but, he, but he can't, he can't, public, he can't look past the law, the canon law. So he can't excommunicate them or take action on a priest who's breaking the seal of confession no. based on him. No, no, absolutely not. Really? Oh, this is a good question. That's I a loop. Like, I, I thought that was I good. That was good, man. <laughs> you hey. should hold St. Lucy more often. I should, yeah. should. I guess you gave him like right to me. You win some and lose So what does he have to do then? Wait, like, so <laughs> what, what can the Pope do then? He knows he's got a bad priest. He heard it, but he can't act on it. It's like, you know, so what, what, what's, what's the Pope do here? What's his play? I, I remember talking with Bishop Lassard years ago, and I, I presented him every type of angle of, you know, if you get this information before confession, and then you hear it in the confessional, you know, and it's manifested already outwardly by the penitent, you know, can you go back into that material outside of the sacrament of reconciliation right. and whatnot? And, you know, he was always very, very conservative when it came to, you know, what you can discuss with somebody. And, you know, I'm, my practice is always keeping that sacrosanct. Like there is nothing more sacred that I keep in my heart than a penitent sin. And most of the times, guys, I, let me just say this too. If you're worried about going to confession and you're freaked out by it, there's nothing that you've done that a priest has not heard. And trust me, we're not going to sit there and remember every, every single penitent sins, hearing countless hours and some of them behind a veil, some of them face to face. It's not on the top of our list to remember all of your sins and, and worry about that. I go to confession in another parish than my own home parish. <laughs> really? 
I don't think it's, I, you know, I understand so if you weak. work, like if you work in the parish, not going to the pastor kind of a thing. Right. Or, you know. You don't squat where you eat. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, again, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things that we do as priests is receiving penitence in the sacrament of mercy and forgiveness, the sacrament of reconciliation. And that is something that is truly mystical, that, that bridges heaven and earth, and it should never violate the integrity nor the material that is confessed ever manifest in, in but public. The pope but the knows. Pope. The Pope knows that this priest is excommunicated by the act of doing it. Mm -hmm. It's not something that the Pope... Um, uh, imposes, mm -hmm. it's an act that imposes the punishment on itself. Mm -hmm. But then the Pope then sees the priest performing his priestly duties and he knows he's excommunicated. Mm -hmm. As the Pope, he has to sit there and watch an excommunicated priest perform mass and say nothing. Because how did he get the, how did he get knowledge of that? Mm. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Do you need some time? No, no, no I'm just know. saying that's what I'm saying. <laughs> no. Where did he receive that information? Like he heard it waiting in line. Yeah, yeah. yeah so the, the canon applies to to the Holy Father. Oh, so his hands, he received that the Pope's hands are tied. So yeah. his hands are tied. He, his hands are tied. Oh, yeah. That's not fair. It is, but it happens. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. No, that never happens. Well, no, that doesn't happen. Yeah, Pope, yeah. I, I mean, maybe it happened. I don't know. Uh, I doubt it. Probably not. That's a lot yeah. of that's I mean, a lot of ifs. My my prayer that's is that what that whole that's yeah. what that whole part of the questioning is all about. Mm -hmm. I, well, Presenting I, the ifs. I don't know. He was he he this is very well. he thoroughly routed us here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, right. a duck and yeah. undercut, <laughs> uppercut or undercut me, and uppercut. undercut. What I is need that? Some coffee. <laughs> well, we had a miraculous you know occurrence. The patron saint of handkerchiefs roundly defeated the Inquisition. At <laughs> you. <laughs> God bless you. All right. Well, that's it. Um, Great. You know, please try to uh, subscribe and and leave reviews for us. It really helps us. Um, you know, spread this show and get more people listening and more people um, you know taking part in what we're doing here. So we really appreciate it. And again, don't make Father Rich cry. I mean, you're going to go to bed tonight. Father Rich is going to be weeping that you did not you know subscribe, and that's on you. That's on your that's on your conscience. You don't want that on your you on don't. your conscience. And if, and if you confess it and then someone overhears it, they can't say anything, then it's on their conscience. It's just a snowball. So just, <laughs> just, just subscribe. It's just so much easier. It's like one click, all right? So <laughs> you can go to catholictalkshow.com and you can prevent that terrible chain of events from happening <laughs> on catholictalkshow.com. <laughs> Great, man. Awesome. You awesome say show. Goodbye? Well, guys, thank you for spending time with us. It's always a joy to be, be with you. It's a, and it's a miracle to be with you, boys. It's, it's a is. miracle. Love it. It's a miracle. miracle. Unbelievable, but true. But true. All right. Thanks go, for joining us, everybody. Let's go wave our coats at people. <laughs> <laughs> See you next <laughs> time. All right. Bye.